0: The views and opinions expressed by the guests of the Diplosport podcast do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of any agency of the United States government or any organization, public or private. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the latest edition of the Diplo Sport Podcast. Today's guest is the head coach of the men's and women's cross country and track and field teams for American University, a gentleman named Matt Centrowitz. And his name may sound familiar because the gold medalist from the fifteen hundred meters in Rio last summer was also Matt Centrowitz, and it's no coincidence that they share a name because Coach Centrowitz is Matt Centrowitz Junior's father. It's a great uh, discussion uh, covering things ranging from the 1980 Olympic boycott, coach Centurich was on the team, to raising such a wonderful world-class athlete. Also a great time to post this interview because coach Centurich recently pu- published a book called Like Father Like Son: My Story on Running, Coaching and Parenting. I'll put a link to the, the Amazon store in the show notes and it's also available in better bookstores around the country. Before we get into our conversation with Coach, I just wanted to flag a couple of podcasts that I really enjoyed over the last week, and not that any of these are hidden gems by any stretch, but they just gave me hours upon hours of fun listening um, on my way to work, on my long runs, and I just wanted to point out a job well done, perhaps why they are among the most downloaded podcasts in America and the world. Uh, The first is the Joe Rogan experience. He just had a fantastic week that really underscores why he's a top 10 podcaster in the country right now. He's got a great show, he's a great conversationalist. I wouldn't even say he's a great interviewer. He just knows how to talk to people for hours at a time and and incredibly keep it interesting. And this week those people included Neil deGrasse Tyson, Dominic Cruz, who's a former UFC champion, a guy named Philip DeFranco who I'd never heard of before but is a, a highly listened to and followed YouTuber. Uh, and then a guy named Gavin McInnes. And all were fascinating discussions and a lot of fun and thought-provoking to listen to. Next is Bill Simmons and the Bill Simmons Podcast. Again, a guy that needs no introduction. But episode 179, he interviewed Ben Thompson from Stratechery, uh, who discusses the ins and outs of some of the business around Silicon Valley and the tech industry. Ben lives in Taiwan and was able to school bill on living abroad and Taiwanese culture. It was an interesting listen. And again, something that was definitely worth uh, the hour or so for the podcast to listen to. Finally is Tommy Vitor, who was an Obama era aide at the national security council has a podcast called pod save the world where he discusses through, you know, a liberal or democratic foreign policy bent, uh, foreign affairs. And Tommy had, Uh, Great guest Lisa Monaco this past week, but his podcast writ large is fascinating and it's fun to listen to. I I certainly am not 100% on board with everything that he discusses, but... He does it like an adult, which is to say that the conversations aren't condescending. They're not insulting in any way. It just lays out the thought processes behind how the National Security Council worked and, and how they feel that the National Security Council should work. Again, definitely worth listen. All three of these are among the top 20 most listened to podcasts in the country, but for good reason. And uh, I just wanted to recognize the job well done. Lastly... Upcoming guest, Jason Bryant from Matt Talk Online, has announced that he is releasing a digital guide for the upcoming 2017 NCAA Wrestling Championships. You can pre-order it now. I'll put a link to the pre-order in the podcast uh, show notes. But I just wanted to, again, recognize uh, great work done by Jason, who builds basically what baseball prospectus is to spring training. This is a match-by-match breakdown across Division I. It's a labor of love for him, and it's a great guy that actually the ESPN announcers for the national championships mention that they use it as a reference. They have it right there next to them when they're calling the championships. Jason's a great guy. He's an upcoming guest of the show. We'll have him on right before the NCAA tournament this year. And again, I'll put a link in the show notes to to this guide. It's a digital guide, great links to get around the world of wrestling so you are in the know ahead of this year's NCAAs. All right, with that, I just wanted to, again, recognize some excellence that I had noticed over the last week. And speaking of excellence, here is our conversation with one of the all-time greats in U.S. distance running and a world-class dad to boot, Coach Matt Centrowitz.
1: Okay, we're live Um, You are Matt Sentowitz Head coach of track and cross country at American University Two-time Olympian, 76 in the 1500 1980 winner of the Olympic Trials at the 5000 Four-time national champion at 5000 meters 79 to 82 uh, And also Set the America record in 1982, running 13.12, 5,000 meters.
0: And you are still, from what I could gather, the schoolboy record holder in New York State in the one mile.
1: Correct. The one mile run at 4.027 and 1,500 meters at three forty three four.
0: And do you bring, do you bring that up uh, when you're recruiting up in New York State? Do you remind uh, these punk kids that uh, you're uh, still...
1: Uh, when I'm recruiting, I don't <laughs> refer to them as punk kids or I don't like to overshine... <laughs> I like to recruit in a positive manner, so I don't think that would help their ego any. So I'll keep that to myself until a later date, and use it as a weapon when they arrive at America.
0: Um, the way I became aware of you was watching the, uh, the Olympics, uh, this summer. And, uh, you, you know, frankly, you're actually wearing this, the American shirt now. Um, When I saw you on TV, I, I was like, oh, he must be the coach at American. Your son is also Matt Centrowitz, uh, and he won the gold medal in the 1500. And we'll talk about him in a, a little bit here. But um, I want to talk about the role of the Olympics. You, you mentioned you were a 76 Olympian for the U- U.S. That means that for at least the last 40 years of your life, and then certainly leading up to the 76 games, the Olympics have been an important part of your life. Maybe you could talk a little bit about why the Olympics are important, uh, on a personal level first. And then do they transcend just the, the competition? Is there a bigger picture that we're looking at here?
1: Well, as a, as a child, obviously, uh, I watched the Olympics in 68 with my first Olympic games in American. Americans, uh, did well and, um, became intrigued. The idea of, of training and devoting yourself and representing your country, uh, that seemed like a great, up, keep great up. Uh, no higher, no higher place to go. than representing the United States sure. as much as I felt, even as a child, how patriotic I was, and you know, obviously, uh, <clears throat> uh, the the '60s were a lot, a little turmoil, but it didn't affect my uh, my thinking. My thinking was uh, just, just pro-American. So. The flag and USA on my chest meant everything. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got intrigued by it.
0: Uh, and then... In the early 70s, you were Power Memorial High School, uh, which is, uh, I think you're the most famous alumni. I saw there was some basketball player named Louis Alcinder, but I couldn't find anything that happened to him after. Yeah. Well, there's Lenny Elmore in the state of Maryland. Pretty he was in the, Lenny Elmore is pretty, pretty famous, too, so I'm happy to be in that, that club. So I saw Chris Mullen went to Power. Uh, Chris Powell- Mullen attended
1: for three years. He didn't graduate. His fourth year, he transferred. He had a blowout with the coach, and he graduated from... School in Brooklyn. And then Mario Ellie was oh, our last graduating class. Uh, was the last pro player. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and when I was doing my research before you and I sat down today, uh, it was really neat to go in the New York Times, you know, you being a school, a schoolboy in New York City. Right. The New York Times tracked your career. So you could see, you know, the meets that you were, you know, running against Fordham Prep and the shamanons of the world, uh, right. as a high schooler and, and then really kind of coming into your own running that 402 mile. Um, and you ended up going to Manhattan out, out of Power Memorial.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: You were at Manhattan for a year. Yes. What made you decide to go out west and uh, and go to the University of Oregon?
1: Okay, well, there's a there's the long story, <clears throat> and uh, truthfulness is when I signed with Manhattan College, I was a, in April, I was a 410-miler and never was outside of New York City yet. So that summer in June, I made a bunch of national meets for uh, for for high school boys, the school boys. And then I made an international team and traveled in Europe for three weeks and raced internationally and did very well and really enjoyed the, the experience. And then so I returned home to Manhattan College, <clears throat> I had outgrown um, a regional team and a uh, small Catholic college. And to me, I wanted a bigger arena, bigger everything, bigger, different. And to me, that meant off the east coast
0: and was there anything it was it's coach dellinger at the time correct what what did he mean to your development as an athlete uh
1: very good question but uh, coach dellinger meant everything when i when i went to oregon i didn't know much i was intrigued by him he was a three he is a three-time olympian 56 16 64 he won the wow. bronze medal in five thousand meters many-time american record holder And, uh, a little known fact is he wrote every workout for Steve Prefontaine. So he knows running in the arena and as coaches, he was very successful and guided many, uh, cross country national teams and national champions before I arrived there. Had you, had you met Pre before you got to Oregon? Yes, I met him, uh, my freshman year at Manhattan College. I went to the national cross country championships and met Coach Dillinger and I, Raced some of the, uh, Oregon team and they were on the junior nationals with me on that 1973 world junior t- trip and got to meet Pre Fontaine and, uh, but basically I was intrigued by Coach Dellinger and became very, uh, impressed by him and wanted him to be my coach.
0: We'll get to Pre in a second too and, and uh, Dellinger, but I forgot to ask, where did you go with the junior national team in 73?
1: Uh, first meet was in Germany, um, Heidelberg, and then we went to uh, Warsaw, Poland, Poland, and Odessa, Russia, uh, Odessa.
0: or the Ukraine, that time was
1: the Soviet Union. Yeah, Soviet Union. Uh, At that time, we had a.
0: I mean, a the, think about that time the the seventies, right? The, the the Cold War is coming to a crest. Uh, you you spoke a moment ago about what it meant to to wear the. Uh, Team USA uniform. What what did it mean to you as a young man to, to be wearing it?
1: Well, I yeah. uh, meant, I mean, that was the pinnacle of anyone's life. The Olympics and USA in a chess was to me the greatest feeling I've ever had. And uh, going to the, obviously going to uh, Russia, um, there was no way I wanted, we wanted to live. We're the first junior team to do this, so we we're very excited to represent USA in the, Clobbered the Germans first, and then we clobbered the
0: the, the, e- the East German. There, there the were two Germanys yeah, at the time, correct? Um, so, uh, so obviously, it, it, it meant more than just competing on on the track to you. Oh, at without that doubt, point,
1: without yeah. doubt, man, yeah. more than that. You know, when you represent your company, you represent yeah. your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you represent your city. Um, you know, you'll see how many New Yorkers were on there. there were not many New Yorkers, mm-hmm. many New York State people, stuff like that that you're proud of, mm-hmm. um, and people in your neighborhood. You know, they're happy to read that you represented them well. And everybody wins when you win, everybody wins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a great feeling. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting. I can even see right now, 40 plus years ago, there is still that, that event as a young man still clearly means a lot to you. Yeah, it was a life changing
1: experience to experience that and, and all the travel, the people that I was on the teams with me. I'm still friends with, uh, 40 plus years ago. And, um, you know, I still admire them, and they were great role models and are great Americans. That's just the way I look at it. And they represented this country very well and did their very best a lot of times. I learned a lot from them, and I'm very grateful for that.
0: What about meeting the Eastern Bloc kids? Was there any interaction, or did nah, the coaches keep a tight nah, hold? They definitely yeah.
1: kept us apart yeah. and uh, on purpose yeah. and um, wanted to make sure that it stayed that way. So we. Uh, we didn't do any of that, and the language barrier might have been also sure. a part of it, too. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. So uh, going back to Eugene now, uh, you get there in 75? Four. Four. Okay.
1: The fall of 74, I transferred in, and and uh, was ineligible, but I, I was there training. And in 74, P. Fontaine had just graduated, mm-hmm. s- so him and I did a lot of more training together since we both – were are ineligible for the team competition. We're eligible for open competition.
0: Uh, maybe talk about for a second what he, I'm sure anybody that's listening to this has seen one of the movies about him. Sure. W- what did Prefontaine mean to USA Track and Field <clears throat> in the uh, late 60s, early 70s? Uh,
1: Prefontaine was a great, great uh, personality, great, great uh, competitor. Uh, he was his, I had a lot of charisma, a lot of style. <clears throat> Much more than anybody else during that time and or, or since, I think in distance run or middle distance run that uh, <clears throat> that he offered the, the fans or even if there was a track meet that was up secure. If he showed up, the place was was electric and it was exciting to, to be around him and to uh, do anything with Prefontaine. Whether it's compete, train, anything, it was always something happened. It was always an event, and it was I felt like you were making history anytime you're around him. And
0: when did you find out that he had died in the car accident?
1: Well, um, I found out the next morning. um, I woke up. I lived with some runners, and uh, when I woke up, they told me the bad news. And like everybody else, I was in shock and couldn't believe that uh, uh, a bright star of his magnitude um, would be dead.
0: The next year you are eligible to compete correct and you break pre's record in the 1500
1: correct yeah i make the uh i'm nancy two i finished third and ran 337 correct
0: it, it, was there any special meaning to that or uh, uh
1: yes and no it <laughs> meant i think it meant more to other people you know prefontaine it's kind of exciting to say that as but um I never looked at Prefontaine as a. I ran faster than he did in high school in the mile, but I, I, he was a much much better distance runner than I was. So um, it was exciting uh, in one hand, but the other sense I expected to run faster than he did in college in the mile. Uh-huh.
0: Now, uh was there anything you learned at at the foot of Coach Dellinger that you take with you now as a, as a college head coach or or? Even oh, a through, lot of yeah.
1: things I take with me. Is a, a lot of things. The training principles are still. As, the same we we work on a hard and easy system um i i don't i I think our team is disciplined uh we don't do bed checks we don't do weigh-ins kids you know have to do some some of their own figuring out and i think the freedom to explore yourself and learn about yourself is a big part of the oregon experience and i try to instill that in our guys to take responsibility for themselves and uh, they want to be great Um, this is an opportunity they have, and they can go as far as they want. It's up to them. Uh, And the proof's in the pudding.
0: Yes. You were national champion with the cross-country team at Oregon. Yes. And you were also an Olympian while you were still in college, correct? Correct. Uh, Talk about your – so the 76 games, uh, Montreal?
1: Well, it wasn't a long Olympic uh, Games uh, for me. (laughs) I was home pretty early. Uh I ran the first round, was eliminated, and watched – What it took to win medals, and uh, basically realized I didn't have the tools, or specifically the speed to win a medal at the olymp at that level, the Olympic level. So the next day I started training for the five, moving up distance. I could, if I trained hard enough, and stayed healthy enough, long enough, I'd eventually get good at it at distance running, and I. Four years later, I was on the Olympic team for five thousand meters, right. and we'll talk about
0: uh, the the lead up to the eighty Olympics in, in a uh, second here. But um, oh, well, or, or let's get into it now. You mm-hmm. after the day after uh, Montreal, you decided you know I'm gonna correct. Go up. That's there's no
1: there was no other door open for me. Mm-hmm. There was no other opportunity. And
0: what is it? Just it's just the the speed that's required in the
1: fifteen. Correct. Oh. The way they the finishing speed is. <clears throat> um, I don't know how it looks on television, but if you read the it, times, it's faster than I could run it uh, fresh. So those guys are finishing faster than I could do fresh. It's I, not possible.
0: I know how it looked this year on television. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it looked pretty good to you too, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. that's he had all he has all the tools. God,
0: I, I mean, I I'm, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm I'm just a casual track and field fan. But it was just wonderful seeing. The, the strategy and tactics used. it's stuff that you do. Track is more than just running, going out and running around yes. the circle. And yes. that, it was really neat to see. I thought NBC did a really good job uh, breaking that down.
1: Too. Well, it looks better when on a, when the guy wins. Everything looks pretty pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, it's, obviously, it's 108
1: years since America won the gold medal, and uh, that was a thrill. And we've had come close a few times. And uh, but uh, see it executed makes yeah. you look like a very very smart runner. All
0: right, so. It's, 5k you got a, a great coach at deliger a guy that's yes. been there before yes. working you getting you ready you have um you have the 1980 olympics coming up when you're getting your, yourself you know in, in prime shape when did you start hearing whispers that this may not happen
1: uh it's a good question but i, I was thinking there was stuff whispers of it probably two months in advance i'm gonna estimate but um I would say probably about a month earlier, we knew it was announced that we weren't going to the Olympic Games, but quite honestly, I didn't really believe, In some part of me didn't sure. believe it, that this is, you know, I still went to Olympic Trials and uh, didn't feel like the Olympic Trials, like 76 did, but...
0: So the boycott was announced before the Olympic Trials? Correct. Get out of here, huh? Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Do you know any athletes athletes that agreed with the decision to to pull no, out? No, I don't know, not at all. Yeah. And do, do you think time has proven that it was well, worse? Jimmy
1: Carter admitted it was his worst um, worst decision that he made during his administration, mm-hmm. and f- for my personal life, it was one of the worst things that happened to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, do you, and so what I'm hearing you say is that this isn't a pla a time or a place to insert politics.
1: Well, unfortunately, <clears throat> the line, whether we like it or not, has been crossed many times. It's just that American, Americans never did it before. And now, the one time, the protocol was even, you know, when Berlin, we attended the Berlin games and you sure. know, obviously certain political things have come to light with the movie Jesse Owens. Mm. But, um, <clears throat> no, it was, it was bad that we, we created it and uh, it was a bad idea. Mm-hmm.
0: So did, did you watch the games on TV? No. Yeah, no. Well, I don't think we
1: te- – I, yeah, I don't know if we yeah, even televised yeah. them. We're in, that was part of the thing. It was when uh, <clears throat> we pulled out – not only did we pull out, we also pulled other the teams with us to hurt them financially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not televising the United States had to hurt their – hurt a lot.
0: You, w- What was your 5K personal best at that
1: point? It was <clears> – <throat> at that time, was third. the winning time. My time was uh, just as good as the winning time yeah. Olympic Games. Do you remember who won the gold? Uh, yif, uh well,
0: y- Yifter. Yifter. Yeah. Uh, he ran 1320 in the, uh, in the 80 games. And y- you, within the, the next two years, you, you ran, like you mentioned before, 1312. Well, the year
1: before, I ran 1320 and yeah. the, uh, <clears throat> um, the world cross country champion. But the point mm-hmm. of it is you have to be on that given day, yep. that given moment. It's mm-hmm. Times, a lot of guys in that category. But who has their best day on that given day is no way to predict
0: especially at the olympics you don't have a, a pacer or anything you know, right it's it was a, held thing. in moscow yeah. who knows yeah. what would have would it mm-hmm. what it came
1: mm-hmm. came of that who would it give an edge to who mm-hmm. didn't favor that kind of stuff
0: the bottom line though is you're in the mix the, you, you yeah definitely you, i'm yeah, in the mix yeah. i was anticipating
1: getting a medal mm-hmm. correct
0: um okay so the olympics come and go in 80 uh you continue to compete correct uh we've mentioned a couple times you set the personal record in the fi- your personal record in the 5k in uh, 82 correct um, the 84 games are going to be here in Los Angeles uh, d- I, d- how did the uh, did your progress go from well, 82 to 84 Seventy
1: nine, eighty, 79 80 and 81 in 82 I won four consecutive national titles mm-hmm. and set the American record 82 mm-hmm. in 82 that summer I had uh some runner fell in front of me and and I oh. tore my hamstring, and I oh. was kind of the only running injury I ever had uh-huh. and didn't really take good care of it. I didn't think it was that serious yep. and kept running on it and tore it more. So I had the scar tissue. And basically, I was never the same runner again from 82 on and never improved in a 5,000, even though I competed and did well at times. Mm. But overall, I was injured, never quite the same from 82.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, you say you're a '76 and '1980 Olympian, and and that's be, you made the USA team, and and damn right, I'm I'm an American Olympian yes. in '80. Is and is that commonplace to do, do most of the '80 Olympians say that?
1: I don't know. You know, it's yeah. a good. Yeah, yeah, I think they say that. Why not? You won the Olympic trials. Tri- yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. You there's no Olympic games, yeah. but you won Olympic trials. Sure. You're an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes. They just denied us, you know, our government denied it. That's mm-hmm. the way we look at it. Yeah.
0: You get into coaching after that? Uh, yes. At uh, St. John's first? Correct. Uh, 19, uh,
1: 1980. Actually, I started at 80. Uh-huh. So I was still running. When I set the American right, I was running. One of the things I'm proud of, I was running the streets of New York City, uh-huh. training there, and uh, <clears throat> uh, kept myself motivated and, and learned how to. Coach myself from 80 on and still do better than I did at Oregon, which was important.
0: What made you decide to move back to the East Coast?
1: You know, I was just done after the trials. I was pretty freaking fried mm-hmm. uh, with the politics and things and sure. devoting your for life. There's no guarantees. And just to be a single, just to be run by myself I, in a small town of Eugene was, um, wasn't was what I was looking for. I was looking for more growth in other areas. At twenty, I was 25 years old and looking for new challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still wanted to still compete, but if it couldn't compete on the world scene, I'd be happy to compete in the regional scene or, or national scene. Yeah. And as it turned out, I, I got faster, but I didn't know that at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and you did a couple things uh, in New York, uh, and but then you ended up migrating down to, to Georgetown uh, and working with uh, pro runners down here.
1: Yeah. What happened was um, I was doing some coaching up there, mm-hmm. and Coach Gagliano was a good friend of mine mm-hmm. and also... Uh, I had raced, I had coached some guy up there who beat all his Georgetown runners, and he was very impressed with the coaching job I did with one athlete, and uh, invited me down to coach a group of postgraduate runners, mm-hmm. and he uh, named them the Enclave. And while he was the head coach at Georgetown, so we kind of worked two different arenas, but basically I um, worked with him or for him or any way you wanted to call that, but I ran that group mm-hmm. and- for a couple of years.
0: I found a couple different dates when you started at American. But
1: the story goes
0: that American dropped uh, track and field as a program in, in the 70s. Correct. Uh, and then did they bring it back as a club or something in 94? No, what or, happened uh, was
1: there was a, it was a, uh, it was a um, the cross-country only program. When okay. I took that job, it was a part-time job. Mm-hmm. And I worked, uh, it was approximately $7,000, $8,000 per year. Wow. And all he did is work, you know. August through November. And uh, I don't know how you coach part-time, but basically I, I kept, and then I would take a run with the Enclave. So it worked out pretty well because the Enclave was taking their break. They competed all the way till August. So they took a break and I went over to American and started running with them or training them. Um, and then they offered me a full-time job. Uh, I did that for six years. So basically that's why you see it's conflicting what years I started and because the first six years were part-time and they, sometimes some people count them, some don't. And I think I've been there full-time approximately 16 years.
0: And and full-time, we're talking men's and women's. Men's and women's. Cross-country, cross-country and indoor. Tra- indoor, outdoor and, and, track. Uh, and you are known for really being a miracle worker down here. Yeah. Uh, it, it just it, spotting talent early on um, and developing. Spotting it's, it's diamonds in the rough, I should say. Uh and not, how many scholarships do you have? The last I saw was six full, is that? Well, we
1: have, uh, three for the men and three for the women. So that's kind of, uh, that's for four years. So it's basically less than a scholarship per year. And the price of American University has gone up. <clears throat> so we have to look for kids that are, uh, qualified for financial aid and work very closely with them. And the, um, academic awards are there too. So it's not, you know, some years are better than others as far as, Um, getting kids to be able to afford it. People love America, they love D.C., they love the university, and they love our program, just affording $60,000, how to put that together.
0: Yeah. And let's give a little pitch for American here. If there are any high school talent out there, w- why would you want to come to American University? What does, what does the city have to offer? And uh, then what does
1: Coach Oh, uh, Well, hopefully I'll leave the athletic part <laughs> alone. They could, that's, that's on our, our website at com. But Washington itself has is, is since I was in college has cleaned up tremendously. Uh, um, DC has become very livable, very attractive, uh, it's no longer the the crime ridden, cap murder capital of America. They get a lot of internships. We've been doing yep. that, and, they, and we have a, it's a very international school, which we've been for a long, long time. And uh, there's a lot of resources in Washington that we still uh, we connect kids with them, and they they advance their careers.
0: And then uh, I think Americans <coughs> fantastic in terms of international students, and it's great for exposure, especially you know in the terms of diplomacy and learning about other cultures. It's a great, great position for that. Although one of the things that because you're limited in scholarships, it makes it tough for you to recruit international athletes, right?
1: Well, it makes it impossible because they don't have the money. So we don't give out full scholarships. So we don't, we don't, um, utilize foreign athletes. Although they'd love to be part of our team, they just can't afford that the bill. Yeah, it's. I used to live in Albuquerque,
0: uh, oh, so okay. I looked up. Uh, I saw UNM won the women's cross country nationals. Right. And I l- looked at the roster, expecting girls from you know Rio Rancho High School. It, it's like the the British Junior National Team. Yeah.
1: Right. Correct. Yeah. That that coach has done a lot of done a great job recruiting international kids, but he's also. He was at uh, another university. He, he did the same thing, but he just now with more scholarships, he's able to. Uh, yeah. And the altitude also sure. attracts a lot of uh, international world class athletes.
0: Uh, not that I was world class, but I got in. Come running. on, don't be modest I, I here. Come running. on, I'm a, I'm a 309 marathoner. I'm waiting to hear if I got into Boston. I don't think I did, but
1: well, I right. mentioned <laughs> my name. You might have a shot. Okay.
0: <laughs> um all right. So, and, and uh, you've you've had a very good amount of success in terms of developing all Americans here at, uh, at American University, uh, and kind of out kicking your coverage in terms of performance against the 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 rest of Division
1: One. And certainly, at Patriot League. Too, we have run our fair share of stuff in within the conference itself.
0: Uh. So uh, you know, you, you may not say this, you're a great coach, but how I mentioned before, how you, you came to my awareness was. You, also looks like you're a great dad too uh and so much so uh you just your son all he needs to
1: do is take off his shirt yeah (laughs) well that's become uh kind of world world renowned now correct
0: was the deal you were supposed to get a tattoo also well we're
1: still discussing it right now i don't have a tattoo but yes that was the deal that was the deal and if he pulls the trigger, we'll get it done.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe something with the Olympic rings or something like so that? You're catching on okay. now.
1: Very good. It won't be anything like uh, father-like son uh, on my chest. I promise yeah, you that. that.
0: Uh, and, yeah, so your son won the 1,500 meters at the 2016 Rio Games. Um, he... He didn't go to American, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, he did <laughs> he not go to American. Correct. <laughs> he went out to Oregon. Yes. Uh, and he still trains out there.
1: He lives in, still yeah. lives in Oregon, yeah. and he lives, works for Nike, and mm-hmm. he trains at Nike's headquarters in Port in Beaverton, Oregon.
0: Now, who's his coach out there?
1: Alberto Salazar, which was a teammate of mine when I was at Oregon. So it's kind of fun having a teammates. Um, you know, so we were very close as a unit. And we'd mm-hmm. be. Alberto I've been uh family friends or teammates since since 75 when he got recruited to Oregon or 76 when he showed up.
0: Now, in doing a little research in that too, you yes. and Alberto certainly have uh uh a, a a wide variety of coaching philosophies where you differ. Uh and that started at Oregon. He he was kind of um uh, into pushing pushing the pack and uh, a, a little bit more from what I read, and uh, you were more for listening to your body and, and going with the rhythm. Is that, is that a, a fair assessment? I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you,
1: but we also race different events and and you have different styles. Every runner has his own style, and if you're going to make it um, to the top, I don't think it's important what style you have, but you got to have some style and have confidence in it. Mm. And Alberta wasn't lacking for confidence, <laughs> and the proof he, he had a hell of
0: Olympics as a coach himself. Sure. Uh, right, because he's Galen's coach too. Yes. Uh, yeah, actually, why did we do so well in the distance events?
1: Why did we do so well? Well, part of the reason was I think that his club has had a lot of excitement and, mm-hmm. and confidence, other becoming a role model for other Americans that we can do well in the Olympics. And that's a good signal to everybody. Mm-hmm. And with the support of Nike and Alberto's, um, go get them attitude is a good other teams have up their training too and train harder and build confidence if they can do it we could do it and i think it's great for our country that if they could do it we could do it maybe maybe we could beat them so that's a, a good attitude
0: what makes the east africans so good is is it geography is it
1: tradition and, well now it's a tradition they weren't always that good when i was competing they weren't all that good and so a lot of events and now they are they just uh, it's a number one sport in their country it's emphasized and uh they come here a lot of them come here and develop under our system our flag and our colleges so we're developing a lot of a lot of kids to come over here and uh, and they excel under our system
0: oh you know you're making uh, Paul Chalimo right in the, the he yeah. won silver in the 5k yes uh he's a prime example
1: correct right? And there's plenty of other guys that went to schools here. Plenty of gold medalists in the past mm-hmm. have gone to uh, lots of schools on East Coast and West and won gold medals. Yeah, and, uh, Legat, so, great right, now. too. Uh, uh, yes. And he's an American. Uh,
0: and Meb, well, Meb's a fascinating story. Um, he always competed compete as an American. Correct. Um, the uh, you're, You also have two daughters. Uh Correct. One of them is a world class, or was a world class uh, track and field athlete, or at least. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then the other is a world class healthcare provider. Correct. Uh, uh just as a dad, I, I just had twins. Shoot, sure. two, two congratulations. Months ago. Oh, thank you. Thank- um, twin girls? Uh, a boy and a girl. Wow, wow. So congratulations. Actually, is it Double. too soon to sign a letter of intent for American, or? <laughs> I've seen you jog. I don't think I'm interested. <laughs> I'm going to take a pass right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I also read about you, you know, that you didn't push. Matt played soccer, uh, as um, opposed to running, uh, cross country. And, uh, your daughter, Lauren? Laurie. Laurie, Um, uh, didn't even know that you were an Olympian. At least that's what she told to, the New York Times. No, she doesn't. Lauren doesn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was that possible? And, and how, how were you not? Uh, you know, that overbearing dad with them. How, how did you decide to just kind of let them find track and field for themselves?
1: Well, I think you're trying to f- let them find themselves before they find anything. They have to <laughs> discover what they enjoy. Um, and it's it has to be their uh, their decision If it's your decision. Then sooner or later they're going to balk. Especially uh, in a, por- a sport like track and field. Uh, especially yeah. in anything, I think. And parenting yeah. is... If anyone knows, you know, when you, your children get a little older, they're going to want to have the mind of their own and they're going to, some things <clears throat> that dad does is going to look cool or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's, you know, every kid has a little different way of, uh, looking at things and you have to be aware of how they view it. So you don't want to be in the way of their, what they want to excel at. At the same time, you know, uh, their mother, Beverly and I were always, ath- uh, she also ran track. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
0: Her maiden name's Bannister. Bannister w- was, was that I a coincidence, or I don't know. That's <laughs> all, but, uh, we'll leave that a mystery here.
1: But basically, she always enjoyed running, and uh, was a f- not only a good uh, national class but She was also a fan of track and went to a lot of track meets. So the, we spoke highly of track and always discussed it at our dinner table. Uh, probably similar to maybe the Kennedys talk about politics, or sure. maybe the Rockefellers talk about making money. Mm-hmm. If that's your family discussion, and you speak highly of it, I think kids are attracted to it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's uh, that, that's You've been very generous with your time, Coach. I really appreciate you sitting with me in my car here in the flight path of yes. uh, Reagan Airport. Beautiful day out here. <laughs> it's beautiful day. Thank you. That, Good luck to your twins. Thanks a lot, Coach. I appreciate it. For Coach Matt Centrowitz, this is Morgan O'Brien saying thank you for listening to the Diplo Sport podcast. Again, the book is Like Father, Like Son My Story on Running, Coaching, and Parenting, uh, which is out now, available at Amazon.com. I'll uh, put a link to the Kindle store in the show notes. And if you enjoyed what you heard, uh, please feel free to follow us on social media at Diplo Sport on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have the opportunity, go ahead. And subscribe to us on iTunes, and we always appreciate good feedback, which enables us to continue to get great guests like Coach Matt Central.